It's Colin Cullis with Business Unusual this evening. Can we have a device that measures customer satisfaction? Or is it yet another one of these dreadful tools designed to take our human interaction with the companies who we pay vast amounts of money away uh, to uh, further and further away from us? Uh, There are, thankfully, devices. In fact, the issue in the past wasn't that there was a lack of devices. There was almost too much stuff. We've completely over-egged and got over-complicated with it. And thankfully, over time, we're realizing that simple is better. In fact, less than simple. Taking things away is the way to go. Uh, And when I started looking at this particular uh, story, um, it was on the basis that, you know, well, we're in a pandemic and everybody keeps talking about growth. And most of it is is, is sort of based on saying, well, you've got to find new customers, new customers all the time. That's not to say that's not true, but quite honestly, getting a, a current customer to come back, come back more often is probably just as valuable. But usually when I do start having a, a research about these things, I typically know nothing about them. So down rabbit holes I go. <laughs> and in this particular case, uh, when I went to try and have a look at a bit of the history for it, I expected to be, you know, back in the 50s. I seem to remember the uh, money back guarantee was invented by John Wanamaker in the 50s, which turned out to be a very good, a very good move. And so I figured it'd be somewhere around about there with big box stores and big retail kicking off and then the, the data stuff uh, and found that while customer satisfaction is a relatively new thing, customer unsatisfaction is positively ancient. And I really was blown away. It was a wonderful piece in the New Yorker that pointed me at an actual exhibit in the British Museum, which thanks to the Internet now, anyone can go and have a look at this little clay tablet that was uh, crafted printed, uh, fired, I'm not quite sure what the correct term for this is, uh, in the year 1750 BC, 3,770 years ago, this person in what is modern day Iraq had fired off a tablet uh-huh, uh, to their <laughs> copper ore supplier to say, one, the ore was of poor quality and that the route that they had chosen saw the voyage take a much longer time than it should have. The first customer complaint that we have recorded goes right back to antiquity. I can't say if there was a reply to it. Perhaps the uh, supplier's in crate was full, but thankfully we, we are still hanging on to it. And for some context... It is the most but, marvelous thing. It's available online, and I'm sure you'll post a picture of it, and you shared the picture on our Money Show group earlier today. Um, and I went, good, there's a consumer complaint written in stone, but Wendy Nola responded saying, people still complain on tablets to this day. It was beautiful. <laughs> that was a good one. But just just to try and imagine, because I had no idea what was happening, you know, what the, the news of the day would have been 3,700 years ago, but people were still discussing how beautiful the hanging gardens of Babylon were. Woolly mammoths were still on the menu and China, as you were discussing Tencent and all those things just a few moments ago, had just kicked off the Bronze Age. That's how long ago that was. But uh, back to the future, as it were. Uh, In our business, of course, we're encouraged to get new listeners to tune in. Uh, But we also want to ensure that current listeners uh, stay tuned in a couple minutes longer, make sure they tune in every day. And while uh, our listeners might not say it's the best thing for them, the greatest compliment I think they could ever give us is that when they tell us uh, that they were listening to something in their car, let's say, and they got to their destination and were planning to get out, but because of what they were listening to on the radio, they just couldn't. Um, and, and the reason why I find myself currently in, in what otherwise would be Wendy's territory is thanks to uh, Heike Vananen, who I've very definitely not pronounced correctly. He's a Finnish entrepreneur who, as a teenager in the late 90s, was looking to buy some gadget in an in a, in a, in a electronic store and couldn't find any help. 
And more than not being able to find any help, he didn't know how he could go and complain about the fact that he couldn't find any help. What I can tell you at the time is that while he would have had a mobile phone, the mobile web wasn't invented. So he needed to physically go and find somebody out. And of course, being Finnish, it being the late 90s, he definitely had a Nokia. Uh, and it was part of the sort of path that he went on. He became a, a computer programmer, a coder, uh, and he started writing uh, g- games for mobile phones. And w- with the rise of Nokia and their presence in the country and how well it did, he, he turned out making himself a fair bit of money. Uh, and in the sort of mid-2000s, he sold his company and with a new partner, went back to this idea that said, you know what, we've got all these great things in the world now, but you still can't easily give somebody feedback. When people want to do a customer survey, they've got this long survey you've got to fill out, or you've got to go and visit a website and go through all reams of data to be able to fill it in. So he came up, he came up with this notion to say, can I build a device that gets the absolute minimum amount of information from somebody that will have the maximum amount of insight about how they were feeling at the time? And he figured uh, simply asking somebody, were you happy or not with uh, with your experience as close to the point at which you would have had this retail experience, whether you used the service or bought the product, ask it at that point, would give uh, the greatest insight about whether or not you know somebody simply was happy or not. So the company is called Happy or Not. Uh, and if you've come across their devices, I, I, c- I still can't believe that the company founded in 2009 that we never had these things beforehand, or they must have been so terrible that, that that we don't remember seeing them but i certainly know when i go into stores these days there's always those little couple of buttons next to the, the cash out point or if you airports are particularly uh, famous for having these things as you're moving through the different parts you just tap the button to say how you're feeling and of course in places like airports and it's, it's one of the popular areas where they use this they can track the volumes of people moving through parts of the airport and then the rate at which they're receiving feedback and the quality of the feedback they receive they collate that together, and in almost real time, they can track to see when the airport either needs some uh, more people moving to a particular area or, or if something is developing that's not good or simply maintain a baseline that says we've got a lot of happy people moving through the airports. Uh, and that's pretty much what, they, what the idea is. This little device, it's, it's mobile-based. It's got a super long-lasting battery, so you can stick it anywhere in the store. Uh, and it records specifically one of those four options, the super happy sort of happy but not not overly impressed, sl- somewhat unhappy and full on un- unhappy, and it records that along with the, the time that the button was pressed. Now, some people did say, ah, well, if I'm working in a store and one of those machines are bad, I'm just going to wander over to them and just keep pressing the happy all the time. And the thing is, uh, you know, if somebody does do that, they start creating a pattern. They'll either be pressing it a lot, then going away, and then coming back, pressing it again. Uh, and, and the company themselves actually uses quite a clever algorithm to say, you expect happy, so you don't give it too much of a waiting. What you're not going to do, and nobody in the store is going to do, is press unhappy. So you want to see a ratio of unhappy to happy and the volume that's coming through during the times of the day, which okay. sounds kind of obvious, but that's kind of the basis for it. And they've managed to grow this business now to over 117 countries and 3,000 companies uh, are looking to to use their feedback, which I think is kind of amazing. But they drew in something else because they wanted to simplify it. And this was uh, something that uh, behavioral uh, scientists are now moving towards to say, when we in the past have asked people, like, what did you think about your experience or how could we improve this and will you be doing this in the future? We, we tend to find that people tell us wonderful things and then not do it. And so these behavioral scientists are, fi- are finding that we actually shouldn't ask people things. We should just watch what they do. And in this case, I've got a, a clip here from uh, a behavioral scientist called Kristen Berman, who at a TED Talk, was explaining uh, uh, an investigation they needed to do with these two companies that had a challenge about the the staff um, setting aside money for their retirement. So 
she's going to make a reference to sort of two charts. I'll give you the context so it makes sense when you're listening. But she's got this big bar graph up on the on the screen as she's talking. The left-hand bar graph is the first company where 47% of the company staff had signed up for retirement savings. Uh, and, they, they, uh, and they had obviously access to it. And the second company, 97% of the company had signed up for retirement savings. And what they were tasked to do is say, why the difference and what should the other company have done in order to ensure it? I think the answer will surprise you. Some companies have close to 50% of their employees saving for retirement, but some have over 90%. Employees on the right will be sipping mimosas on the beach in their retirement communities. Employees on the left will likely be hanging out in their cubicles well into their 70s. So what explains the difference between these two types of companies that could lead to such a massive gap? Raise your hand if you think it's level of education. Raise your hand if you think it's income. Raise your hand if you think it's age. It turns out it has nothing to do with the usual suspects. Let me introduce you to Carla. Carla makes under $30,000 a year. She works at a retail clothing shop. She has an eight-year-old son and things are tight. But Carla is saving for retirement. She is on the right. The secret for Carla and others like her is the form that she fills out when she first gets hired. In this chart, employees on the right are automatically enrolled into retirement savings. It was the default, they did nothing, and they start saving. People on the left had to fill out a form themselves. They also did nothing, but instead, they didn't start saving. And that was the difference. And yeah. <laughs> And this is where you wind up with these sorts of forms. So companies that are thinking, well, I'm sure I could, let's give our customers, let the customers decide. That's actually not the thing you want to do. You want to remove all those pain points. You remove as much stuff that a company needs to do that you possibly can to make sure that the things that you would like them to do and the things that ultimately they would want, you should make it easier for them. I put a whole bunch more uh, examples and, and illustrations that they did. There's a fascinating one with a, with a furniture store that they managed to do. Uh, but in conclusion, I went on uh, to Twitter ahead of the show and used the exact same sort of happy emoji type uh, balance between the very happy emoji right the way through to the unhappy emoji to find out how the money show rates with the people who follow us on Twitter. And I'm happy to inform you that over two thirds of them came back with a big smiley face, which is a lot more I could say for that ore supplier over three and a half thousand years ago. (laughs) Colin Cullis, Business Unusual. Thank you, Colin.